0: My name is Angela Samos, and I am here with my most esteemed co-host, Denise Borges. How are you, my friend?
1: I am great, and how is the most awesome Portuguese-American And <laughs> uh, uh, ever since uh, Portugal was discovered or founded as a nation? From okay, Luso- okay. You're,
0: you're going to offend some people we'll go, here. We'll go back to the Luso, <laughs> Lusitanians, you know. Okay. Which we need
1: to do a podcast to explain to Portuguese-Americans why we, we're known as Luso-Americans.
0: Yeah, that's people, a good podcast people, uh, topic.
1: People.
0: Yeah, yeah. It could be part of a historical series. Correct. <laughs> well, always a pleasure to have you, and our guest today is André Correa d'Almeva. André, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, thank you, Angela. Thank you, Denise, for having me. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending yes, on where you are. Yes,
0: depending on, on where everyone is, correct. So, interesting topic we have today. So, for those who do not know André, he is an associate director and adjunct professor at Columbia University and also founding president of all for integrity which I think is gonna be the focus of our conversation today. So André, tell us a little bit about all for integrity and what your goal was in founding that organization.
2: Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to um, talk a little bit about my work to this amazing Portuguese American community we have. So the all for integrity is a 501c3, it's an NGO based in Portugal. That aims at working and building and uh, solutions to fight the terrible corruption problem we have in Portugal. Uh, certainly, it's not the only country in the world with corruption issues. So let's put it out there. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly, the goal is not to end corruption overnight. You know, corruption will, will always be there for you know several reasons related with human behavior. But we can leave that for another conversation. But it's true that Portugal is lagging behind in terms of the implementation of international best practices to fight corruption. And the organization was created to, with the aspiration of helping put Portugal to become an international benchmark, an international case study on fighting uh, corruption. Mm-hmm. We are certainly far from that goal yet, but this means that Offer Integrity works with, work with solutions. So now, the, it's very important to evaluate. It's very important to assess. It's very important to hold everyone accountable. But contrary to other organizations with a much more of a watchdog focus, all for integrity aims at mobilizing people and experts and minds, such as you, Angela, and Denise mm-hmm. and the Portuguese-American community to um, foster uh, innovation back home. By home meaning Portugal, at, you know,
0: to right. start Well, I think probably a lot of what you were talking about can also be applied here. So two things occurred to me as you were talking. One, when you say fight corruption, it sounds like you're like, oh, gosh, that's like trying to boil the ocean, right? So it seems like a a big, big problem, right? But I love how you're approaching it, which is at the grassroots level and mobilizing individuals, because I think that not only has an effect on fighting the corruption aspect, but I feel like we really need a change in mindset in our community from a, and maybe this is one of those things where, oh, you don't talk about it. We all know that we're like this, but you don't really talk about it. But I mean, you know, we can be competitive with each other and we can be deliberately unsupportive of each other. Right. Which then can kind of lead to, doing some not nice things or even lead to corruption, right? So I think if you have this change in, in mindset that, listen, we need to help each other, we need to come together as a community and support each other. And that by default means not being corrupt and not doing things in a bad way, then we can start to really evolve and improve things. I don't know if that it's too much of a reach but I, I very much feel that at least here in our community right like i feel like i we need to let go of the judgment and we need to let go of the competition and just really focus on helping each other and elevating each other there's there's that saying all a, a rising tide lifts all boats not just one <laughs> right so yeah i, I really
2: know. like how you broaden up i i are you brought on the topic because. A conversation about corruption could also be a corruption. A conversation about social injustice. A conversation mm-hmm. about corruption could be a corruption about inequality. And those are, for the American audience or for, for all of us living North, most of us living in North America, those are uh, more salient themes, social injustice, um, inequality, than the issue of corruption. I, I've, I've learned that and I understand that. So they are all connected. I mean, corruption is the number one cause of inequality in Portugal. It's the number one cause of the fact that one in four Portuguese live under the poverty line. It used to be one in five, recently became one in four. Mm. And we don't know that because when we think of Portugal, we think about the amazing weather, amazing people.
0: Everybody's moving there. It's become yeah. such a popular exactly. destination. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but we forget that, you know, you get salaries around $800, 800 euros, 900 euros. The average salary is something around 1,200 euros, 1,300 euros. So, and that all. A month,
0: a, right? Per month, just a month, to qualify a this. Per, per month, yeah. Per month. Yeah. Per month. That's just yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Exactly. So we tend to neglect the. Uh, the gigantic amounts of wealth and the gigantic amounts of resources that are uh, wasted in corruption. In Portugal, is estimated by the uh, European Commission team that corruption in Portugal is equivalent to 8 to 10% of the annual GDP. Just to put things into perspective, the World Economic Forum estimates that the global corruption uh, as measures as, measure as percentages of the global GDP is 5%. So in Portugal, corruption is twice Mm -hmm. the corruption in in terms of GDP GDP percentages um, globally. And and you mentioned the grassroots, that's fundamental. That's why we we have our uh, anti-corruption literacy program for for the eighth to 12th grade, because they need to start Hmm. understanding the language and they need to understand what a bribe is, what a conflict Mm -hmm. of interest is, the revolving door uh mm-hmm. depotism, you know, traffic of influence, etc. 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 And I like to say just the same way when you when you learn a new language, to, I know Chinese, Korean, German, you name it, or we need uh, or we learn, you know, a new formula or equation in math or mm-hmm. physics. We it's like windows and, and gates and doors that are open mm-hmm. to understand the world in a different way. So, at the most fundamental level, we need to understand the language. We need to understand the concepts to then understand what corruption means. You never. Do, and I really like how you, how many times you use the word community, because ultimately it's about loving and being interested in the public good and in the in the common, you know, common good.
0: Exactly, and, and for those who are maybe listening and thinking, okay, fine, yes, corruption in Portugal, but we live here in the United States. That doesn't really affect us. And I would say, well you know, what is the extension of the Portuguese government here in the United States, right? It's it's the consular network. Now I'm not making a claim that the consular network is corrupt. However, what I am saying is that it could be better, <laughs> and we've we've talked about this a lot. And you know, again, apologies if I'm offending anyone. But if anybody has you know in any state, and even in Canada or even other communities and other countries have had to deal with the the consular network, it has been frustrating. And I and I think that is an extension and as a result of the corruption, right? It's they're not Absolutely. they're not they're not staffed appropriately. They're not trained appropriately. They're not you yeah. know all of these things. And so. Absolutely. I think that's an important thing to point out that it's not just in Portugal. It's not just on the other side of the pond. It doesn't affect you. It absolutely affects us here.
2: Yeah. The corruption, the, the issue of corruption is not about the corrupt. And certainly I, I agree with you. We're not calling anyone in the, in, the, in the consulate network corrupt, certainly. But with the amount of resources that are wasted, uh, mm-hmm. the entire public system in Portugal could be very equipped, better trained, better staffed, of course. So that's very clear. And it's not about, consulates or, you know, uh, how many of us have to deal with the bureaucracy in Portugal? So
1: mm-hmm. bureaucracy
2: is a manifestation of lack of transparency and lack of transparency is most likely a manifestation of, if not corruption, high risk of corruption. Uh, so, yeah, that's a very good point. We, we the Portuguese American uh, have to deal with this issue at multiple... Mm-hmm when we have to deal with things in, in, in Portugal. But even if we hadn't, it's just a fact. We have to mobilize to make us all proud uh, or more proud right. of how we are organized as a country and as a nation. And we are amazing in so many different things. I mean, uh, let me give, I always like to give this example that taxing the IRS system in Portugal is one of the most advanced in the world. Portugal is a case study on how well Taxes are collected. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You tell. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's very. It's all all electronic. It's you know. It's very advanced. It's the the capacity to oversee the 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 taxpayers and to claim the funds and etc. is incredible. So this shows. I mean, and there's more. There's other examples that when the state wants, it can innovate. When the Portuguese state and the Portuguese mind and the Portuguese politicians, when they want they can build systems that are some of the best on the planet. So let's do the same with other dimensions of life. So this is a a good news that becomes a frustrating news because we can do it in some areas, but in others, we decide not to.
1: I have a two-part question, André. First and foremost, so uh, your work with all uh, for integrity and for changing the mindset, how much of this... If we look at historical, Portugal's democracy is young, it's not; it's going to be 50 years old pretty soon. And how much of this is new to Portugal, uh, this creativity within a democratic system, because the issue of corruption, of course, existed during the new state, the Salazar and Catana regimes, but it wasn't addressed because there was no transparency as far as democracy. So how much of this transparency is an inheritance from the new state?
2: Partly, in partly in the sense, in the sense that fifty years is is still a, a recent experience, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and and I used that argument as as a, to inspire and as and as a sign of hope. I mm-hmm. mean, compared with other democracies, the Scandinavian, North American, the you know, of course, the British system. We have a very, very, we are going through a very recent experience, nascent experience in terms of building, in terms of rule of law, capacity to dialogue between parties, uh, absolutely. But what then it's less difficult to explain is that we live in the European Union context with so many you know, reports and lessons learned from precisely those more, more advanced systems. That we continue not to adopt, for example, lobbying, a very basic you know legal, noble, you know controversial perhaps but legal activity in the US, legal in the sense that it's properly regulated, and it, you know there's of course there's some flaws, but there's an effort to regulate. In Portugal, lobbying the lobbying is not regulated. Uh, we continue not to know who donates to parties. And um that only happens because the, mm. the politicians in power do not want to not prioritize these types of um uh, institutional improvements, just to give an example. Uh and I could talk about the you know court system, you know. In the US, you you know you put someone in jail in I don't know, two, three, four, five years. Uh and you know, Madoff was in jail in, in within a year. I mean, true, he was. He was denounced by, by his, his kids, by his, by his own family. But still, in one year, he was put in jail. In Portugal, we have other cases, as we know which ones, I'm not going to mention names, that you know, going to take 10 years, 15 years. So we create this sense of impunity that is mm-hmm. tremendously um, prejudicial and negative for sure. the uh, trust between citizens and, and institutions.
1: Sure, the, the justice system has been... Probably one of Portugal's worst nightmares in, the, yeah. in this democracy. Um, the lobbying, of course, here we have ways of getting around it with Citizens United in other ways. But that that sh- that could be a podcast in all its own. You know what is the lobbying and 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 Absolutely. how and how it's regulated and and still can be very corrupt. But let me ask you the second part of the all integrity question. When you know the historical part, of course, and I thank you for putting it down in that context of the new state. Fifty years is a long time, but it is not a long time. Young people, uh, who is who I've dealt with just about all my life, and and now you know uh, with my work at uh, at uh, Portuguese Beyond Borders Institute at Fresno State, and and of course with Palcas, a lot of the young people that I speak with on a daily basis, and I don't teach political science, uh, I'm teaching language and culture, but you know it can go into different directions, of course, and even in context outside of the classroom setting. When we talk about, like Angela said, uh, part of our goal here through politicus is to get more and more involved and involved sometimes means, uh, you know, getting into a cause. and, And sometimes that means getting into public office, whether it be at the school board or at city government statewide or at national level. And I hear this time after time after time from young Americans of Portuguese background, which is, yeah, the system is so corrupt, even though we say it's not that I I don't you know we don't make a difference and uh you know just my voice in a in a even in a school board of five people, it's not going to make a difference because the the five board members are in cahoots with the, with the with the, with, the, with the chamber of commerce, and then they're in cahoots with the superintendent, and the superintendent comes from this family, and then there's all these issues that be, sometimes young people become very cynical at a very young age. Unfortunately, when it comes to politics, how do we move from that mindset with young people? And I wanted to mention that because you talked about a program that you have in Portugal for. Uh, junior high and high school students, what we call here those, to talk about the importance of being all for integrity. So tell us a little bit about how we move this mindset of young people that at a very early age, I can tell you that's very different from my generation. We were very utopian, you know, at the age of 18 and 20, but young people have a sense of a reality in a different way and, and they don't believe in the system a lot of times
2: yeah uh so the, our theory of change as we like to call it uh is that uh if and we formulate these statements with the word if and then uh, the, the theory of statements says that if we build an interest and a passion for the public interest for the common interest as opposed to not interact with local institutions or clubs or uh, you know churches or uh, libraries or you know you name it we will not be able to develop a love and the care for those spaces. So if we engage and expose young men and women to the phenomena and the complexity and the, and the, you know, the challenge of addressing common goods, then we will have them in the future, keep them more engaged and, and connected. But it has to be with education. You know, the, it's the same way, it's the same conversation that we have with STEM, right? In uh, in how do we get more mm-hmm. women in STEM? How do we get more you know men and young men in certain areas that are 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 that our country and society needs? I think it's it's about creating a passion for it. It's about um, presenting them with role models, and it's about you know exploring dimensions of our own individual happiness that are not solely driven by the profit that the private sector offers and by the way there's a lot of common good and public good that the private sector are have been doing sure. you know this is not a conversation about the sustainable development goals but since 2015 that we have a new development agenda led by the UN that clearly brings the private sector together i think the key the key so which means that anyone wanting to follow a sort of a private Firm private sector professional career has lots of opportunities to, to engage with the, with the public and the common good. But I think it's all about building, falling in love, falling in love. And I, I think the younger generations, because they are much more, I would say, critical, they are much more, how do you say, uh, uh, less uh, conformados, how do you say, less. Um,
1: Less accepting of of, of, yeah, of, of exactly. what's going on. Yeah, exactly. of, of the status quo, you know. But,
2: exactly, exactly. But, but our
1: word conformado says it all. I love that word.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I see some good news there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm from a generation that, so my parents are from the generation of the instinctivity, right? So they leave the utopia of the democracy, okay? Correct. And dream come through, etc Then I come from a generation that I benefited a lot from gigantic amounts of resources came in from the European Union when we joined it in 84, you know, like mid 80s. Vacas gordas, that's mm-hmm. how we called it, you know, fat cows, right? So the folks, young men and young women that, that were born in the, in the 21st century already, and they already have like early 20s, they are in their early 20s, 20s, they have none of these. They have They had absolutely none of these Incredible large amounts of funding coming from international organizations in our transition to democracy. So I hope that they will be much more active. It sounds paradoxical. I know, Denise, you. you
1: but no, no, it doesn't. I mean, and the world is made of paradoxes anyway, but, but it, it doesn't. I, I completely understand. And 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 that's why I, I like that thought of the education. I think actually, Angel brought up a very good point, which is, I think it would actually be interesting for us to look at the programs, from my perspective, that you use, and you're all for integritys using with the, the students in Portugal to see if we could adapt them to our organizations mm-hmm. and our Portuguese-American schools that teach language and culture. Because um, so much, sometimes people are teaching, you know, verbs and conjugations. And if we can teach, you know, what's going on in Portugal as far as uh, being involved and all for integrity, you can teach language through that.
2: Yeah, but even I understand that some, some segments of the American Portuguese community are, are less connected with Portugal. And that's totally fine. I mean, these are values that we all should expire for more. We should all expire for more transparency. Transparency means, you know, open data. Transparency <laughs> means innovative and innovated in, in governments and administration. Transparency means fighting bureaucracy. So these are all important themes, no matter where you are. And if you don't connect with the idea of corruption or the word corruption, there are all other types of issues that are about having more fair and just societies. And because states play such an important role, and thankfully so, in how we function as a society, I think we should all find ways to keep everyone accountable and not resign from the responsibility to oversee what others are doing. And I've learned. I mean, I, I'm always comparing my experience in Portugal. I, I'm I'm now an immigrant in the U.S. I've been in the U.S. for 17 years. But before I was immigrant in in China, and before I was immigrant in the Netherlands and in in Mozambique. And and um, an interesting comparison that I like to make is that in Portugal, relationships are mediated by affection, <laughs> and in in the U.S., relationships are mediated by rules. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's why I like to say that ideal place to live is Soros. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Yeah>, well, <laughs> now, a nice lots of balance, rules there too, but not as many. Um, a
2: nice balance of affection. And, <laughs> I mean, but, and, and rules, quote, unquote, I mean, just that. But just to say that I, we also talked about role models and that's why All sure. For Integrity created the first ever anti-corruption national award. That has the, the 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 institutional support of the president Marcelo Rebelo Sousa, and and uh, this civil society, men, women, anyone, uh, anywhere in the world can, uh, during June, July, and August, nominate the Portuguese that inspire them, uh, in terms of building a culture of integrity. So so it's not only about the school; it's about also the adults. And we also built the tech for integrity. This is actually a, a call that I would like to, a call to action. We are looking for data scientists to help us with several ideas we are developing. So let us know. Just to give you the idea, Denise and Angela, that's not only about schools, it's about mobilizing uh, mm-hmm. the Portuguese and the diaspora around issues of development in Portugal.
1: But those they, issues are important to bring to uh, sorry, and just to say those issues are, are issues are important to bring forth to the communities because exactly, and I'll switch to and I'll pass it to Angela. But exactly for the point that you made, which is when you said, you know, I know that a lot of Americans of Portuguese ancestry, especially you know, third, fourth—I mean, Angela is an exception—especially of uh, third, fourth generation, and even fifth generations that are very distant, you know, uh, from from Portugal. But sometimes what they know about Portugal is only the, you know, the the, the picture of Set Cidades and São Miguel or <laughs> of the Jerónimos. And, and so it is interesting to, I think that this is one way to reach also younger Portuguese Americans who, you know, are a different generation because although 40, 50 years ago, they weren't going to college, but... In our community, we have a very, very, very high. That's something that's changed drastically in the last 25 to 30 years. We have a very, very high percentage of Portuguese Americans going to college. And so they're very interested in Portugal for different reasons than their parents or their grandparents were. And and a project like this is something that I think young Portuguese Americans would be very interested in getting behind. I don't know, Angela, you know the young people as well as I do.
0: No, I agree. Uh, But my question was actually going to be, can you give... Some specific examples of um, either where you know some of the education and curriculum that you've talked about, or a grassroots initiative, has helped kind of move the needle or changed things in a way, even a small way.
2: Uh, that's a very important question because it's about the, the impact assessment. The impact assessment, right? To what extent are we making a difference? It's still early, frankly, to mm-hmm. assess. Okay. Uh, actually, we just recruited one of the top experts in Portugal in monitoring and evaluation. We want to have our, as we call it, M&E uh, framework set in place by September, which means that we are now, we were founded in 21. Well, prior to that, we, we started the, the movement Free My Country from Corruption Movement. I launched it in the streets of New York on October 5th of 2020. And then the association was, the, the organization was created in September of 21 your question is very, very important. These programs need to be evaluated. We need to evaluate it. We need to understand if this is making any difference. But I'm going to give you an example that gives us some hope that what we are doing makes a difference. One day, uh, when we started talking about uh, the school program, and we had conferences and meetings with students from eighth to the 12th grade, we started hearing parents telling us, André, look, well, it's no longer André only. We have a a team of dozens of collaborators, if not hundreds, including other types of partnerships. But Andre, I was amazed that I got home and my kid, 13, 14 years of old, was talking about corruption. Mm. Of. yeah. So parents of are now being confronted by their kids with what is this? What is mm-hmm. what is conflict of conflict of interest? What is nepotism? Uh, mom, I mean, you know what's going on in your office? So these types of mom or dad these types of questions and conversations are happening. I mean, did corruption uh, diminished or reduced? <laughs> uh, well, not yet, but at um, what we are also learning is that schools are using the the, the new dashboards we have uh, that we built under the Tech for Integrity Initiative. So uh, we translate these very large reports produced by the World Bank, UN, OECD, you know, European Union, Very large reports that other that normally would leave in PDFs in my documents folder, you know, and used by just a small elite of professionals. Now we are converting them into data visualization systems. So now kids can use those dashboards and 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 graphics and charts and visual that otherwise would leave only on 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 PDF. So this is this is. an example of things that are happening with the academy so we have four activities we talked about the school program we talked about the the national anti-corruption award we talked about the tech for integrity initiative but the academia which is the fourth initiative the academia is helping imagine we are in 2023 and still the private sector companies, Portuguese companies, international companies have the support of the international branches, but large Portuguese um, companies do not have groups helping them build uh, anti-corruption training programs. There's a very strong tradition in the MBAs and the executive education to teach you know, leadership, to teach you know, how to implement uh, new IT systems. And Yes, there's a very long tradition of executive education in Portugal. But specifically about issues of ethics, not the, whistleblower, the whistleblowers' uh, uh, new um, law that was passed. There's very little support available to private companies to uh, build training programs on these areas. So we are helping them as well.
0: Well, I think it's an important example. I'm glad you brought it up because honestly, to change the mindset, it, it'll take a generation, yeah. right? We may not see immediate results but if people can if kids can be raised in a different mindset than how they interact in society and how whether they get involved in in the business world or in government or education or whatever they take that different mindset with them so yeah i mean it'll take a generation to start seeing some results but you have to have these conversations now so i think that's a great great proof point there that you raised
2: And from a more personal standpoint, the question was, I mean, I, I, had, I had written books and papers. My, my question was in 2020, when I decided to start this, all has been, have been written, all has been spoken in, in, in forums, in reports, in books, in papers, in TV shows, mm-hmm. what, else, what else needs to be done? And I did not mention that in Portugal, the anti-corruption discourse has been captured by the far left and the far right which completely excludes the overwhelming majority of the citizens that would like to get involved. And there's a second group, the politicians, the far right and far left, you know, a minority, but they've been capturing that. Um, the, the, second, the second group is the, a very small group of academ, academics working with, these, uh, with, the, with this topic. So all for integrity, and I think this should be, sorry for not sounding humble, but this should be an inspiration for other young men, mm-hmm. young, women of no matter what age to um, act because all for integrity became a space because it's non-partisan where it's much more comfortable for anyone from left, from right, from the center, from the top, from the down to get involved. Mm-hmm. So the school program is run in by profess- by teachers. The tech for integrity is run by data scientists that founding these brands, these, organization a space where they can fight corruption the ways they know and the ways they were you know uh, trained in their own professions
0: so i so we just have a a couple of minutes left but i think you know you mentioned uh, you hope you sound humble and that it inspires absolutely we need to be more explicit when we say those things because you know It's one thing to listen to this podcast or any any podcast where we're sharing important information and and then, oh, that was a good podcast, and then go on with your day. It's a completely other thing to say, Oh, that's really important. I'm gonna share it with somebody. I'm gonna share this message with my my son or daughter, my family or friends, or someone else that I think is gonna be be interested and and take this message. And you know what? They're right. We should do this. I'm gonna ask my, I'm gonna ask my my kids' teacher if we can do something like this, I'm going to, you know, take it to the school board or, I mean, it takes action, right? And things just don't, I mean, it, well, things will happen without you because things will, will happen around you. So if you want to see them change, then we have to take action. And, I, and that's kind of what this whole podcast show, Politicus specifically, is built on, is encouraging action to to change things, to see how, you know, how we want them to be changed. So now's and not a time share. to be humble. Verb, <laughs> share,
2: and that's exactly where everything starts. Angela, I'm so happy that we're ending on that note because no matter how lonely you feel, with your thoughts, with your dreams, with your concerns, start by sharing them. Not, not in a, in a, in a from a psychology or psychiatrist's perspective, mm-hmm. right? but mm-hmm. with friends, with mentors, with colleagues, and 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 very, very uh, naturally, uh, collective action. And organized, organized action will happen. Absolutely. If you if you ask me, Andre, where would you start? I would start share.
0: Amen. And Denise, do you have a last question?
1: No, I do not. I think Amen is a good way to end it.
0: <laughs> That's why I
1: was taught in the Catholic Church. Amen. <laughs>
0: well, so so on that note. Thank you, Andre, for joining us. This is so important. I, I hope that we will have you back in you know, a year or so to hear about the progress that's being made. And uh, this is definitely an effort that Pankus that will continue to support. So for those of you listening, not only listen to this podcast, share the podcast, um, subscribe to the podcast so you continue hearing these conversations and continue sharing them with family and friends. Subscribe to our newsletter so that as we do more with All for Integrity, you will be notified of webinars and perhaps in-person events or other things that we're doing to help get this this message out there and change the mindset. Um, And if you liked what you heard today, if you have been enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to leave a review on iTunes because that will actually help people find us better. It bumps our, our ratings up. And so it, it puts us, you know, when somebody searches for Portuguese podcast, it, it will put us higher up in the search results. So please leave us a review, positive review, if you will. And thank you for listening, because these are the kinds of topics that we need to be discussing um, if we are going to stay as a community. Otherwise, we're just going to dissipate into the mainstream and not exist anymore. So thank you all for your time. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate it. And um, until next time.
1: Take care, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to Politicus, the official podcast of Palcus, the Portuguese American Leadership Council of the United States. Palcus is the premier national organization representing the interests of the Portuguese American community at large. To learn more about Palkus and how to become a member or to make a donation, visit www.palkus.org. To submit feedback or suggestions about the podcast, email us at palkuspalkus.org. At the views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the show are not endorsed by Palkus.